How Zarzar, a lizard folk, became a half-dragon demigod of Asgorath. This is the story of Zarzar, a lizard folk who across three games became a half-dragon demigod of Asgorath. Zarzar was one of my favorite characters I have ever played. He started his life as a simple lizard folk. The thing about lizard folk is, they are very simplistic and extremely superstitious, and very, very brutal. Mostly used as an NPC race, they rarely are used as a player race mostly because they are so very stupid. They shun intelligence, and anyone that shows any hint of intelligence or desire to learn are shunned, killed, or banished from the tribe. Thus starts the story of Zarzar. Born to the warrior Zartan and the cook Zarnak, Zarzar was expected to be a warrior. But when he showed intelligence and a desire to learn to read, the tribe wanted him dead. His mother, wanting her son to live, pleaded with the chief to banish her son instead. So that is what happened. Sent to wander the swamps in exile, Zarzar was captured by slavers and brought to a neighboring city to be sold. It was here that he caught the eye of Tanareth, a mage and our GM's favorite NPC and main quest giver, who bought him, gifted him a brand of longevity, extending his lifespan far past the normal short lizard folk lifespan, and took him as his own. Now, according to lizard folk standards, Zarzar was smart, very smart, but according to every other race, he was still quite dull. By the age of 13, Zarzar had barely managed to learn to read and speak common, but he had a true gift with a spear and shield. Where his base intelligence was only innate, his tactical ability was much higher. So Tanareth had him trained as a warrior, giving the finest training money could buy. He exceeded at this and proved himself as an apt pupil. At the age of 22, the game began. He was enlisted into the military and sent to war. There his entire troop was killed and was found near death by the party. The party consisted of Ken, a dwarf paladin, Sarah, the human cleric, and Pen, the elf ranger. The party argued for several hours on whether or not they should kill Zarzar outright, as lizard folk could not be trusted. But finally, his uniqueness won out, and they decided to let him live. So his fate, as it always would be, was decided without any direct interaction with him. So Zarzar joined the party and became the tank. As Zarzar had been gifted longer life than normal lizard folk, he had barely entered his prime. It was with the party that he really started to grow. Now, unbeknownst to the group, I had actually created Zarzar as a class which would later be known as a spell sword. My DM and myself had grand plans for Zarzar, but those were cut short. We will get into that later. Back to the game. The party believed Zarzar to be a simple warrior and nothing more. Just what I wanted. Until the fated night where we, the party, came face to face with our greatest foe to date. A mountain troll. As each of us had yet to reach level 5, we were ill-equipped to deal with this threat but face it, we would. Our DM had us roll initiative. I rolled a 3, Ken rolled a 5, Sarah a 7, and Pen a 12. But our hearts sank as the dice clattered to the table for the troll's roll and landed on a natural 20. The DM weaved the image of the troll, raising its massive tree branch that it wielded as a weapon, and swung at the paladin. Ken stated he raised his shield and braced for impact and rolled. He got a 2. Our hearts sank further, but not deep enough, because now the troll had to roll for attack which it had not done already, another natural 20. Ken was struck by the massive blow, his shield shattering on impact and his unconscious body thrown against a tree to land in a heap of flesh and armor. Ken's player started making death saves. Next up was Pen. Pen's player called his shot. I notch two arrows and shoot the troll in the eyes and rolls, natural one. The DM states that his bowstring, which was old and well used, suddenly snaps upon drawing it to full length. Next was Sarah, our cleric. She looked at Ken, then looked at Pen, then looked at me and said, You're our last hope, and cast Bless on me, giving me a plus one to all attack rolls. 
It was here that I knew that I had to pull out my secret weapon. Now at this point, it's become quite obvious that we were playing with homebrew rules. As such, my character's secret weapon was something that normally would not have been accessible at his level. But the DM allowed me to pick one spell that Zarzar could wield, and only one spell he could wield. So effectively, making him only able to cast one spell during his entire career as a spell sword. Being a lover of dragons, one would expect me to pick something fire-based. But I have always loved electricity, so I chose lightning bolt. Zarzar threw down his spear and shield, tossed out his scaled hands, and shouted his spell in his native tongue. Lightning ripped from his clawed fingertip and tore across the space between him and the troll. I rolled. Natural 20. According to our homebrew rules, the spell would do 1d6 damage per level of the caster. As Zarzar was level 4, I rolled 4d6s. The party watched in anticipation, as the dice clattered across the table, several striking the DM's screen. A muffled cheer erupted as all four dice landed on six. Jonathan, our DM, was awestruck as he announced that since I had rolled a nat 20, the damage was doubled. Our DM painted the image of Zarzar, standing there, having just tossed aside his weapons, flung out his hands and basically shouted, LIGHTNING! in lizard tongue. Blue electricity crackled from his clawed fingertips before ripping through the air to strike the troll in its chest. It lurched backwards in pain as the electricity coursed through its body, charring it until it was nothing more than a husk. As the lifeless body of the troll slumped to the ground, Ken woke up, having managed his death saving throw, and stared in surprise at the scene before him. Zarzar, the dumb lizard folk that everyone thought useless, other than taking damage and keeping the enemy's attention, had proven that day that he was far more than he appeared. Because I had rolled a nat 20, our DM decided that Asgarath had taken notice of him that day, but nothing more than that. But his path to becoming a true dragon had begun. It was here that we decided to end our session. Unfortunately for Zarzar and our entire party, the next day held true tragedy. One of the best friends I've ever had, Jonathan, our DM, passed away. Our party mourned the passing of our DM and good friend. We tried to continue, but it was never the same. So we broke up weeks later, never to group together again. Our players went our separate ways, each living our lives. And so, Zarzar was placed on a shelf, where his character sheet should remain for several years. I tried very hard to find another D&D group, but never managed to stay more than a single session. Until one day, I met Thomas in a game store, talking with friends at one of the tables. I overheard them speaking of one of their party members, who had just been sent to Florida for army training, and that they needed to find a replacement. I thought, hey, why not, and I approached them. The party seemed to be hesitant at letting an outsider they didn't know into their gaming session. But after a brief conversation with Thomas, I brought up Zarzar. Thomas was instantly in love with the idea of a lizard folk who desperately wanted to be a dragon and welcomed me into the party. It was here that Zarzar got his second chance. The rest of the party were already level 8, while Zarzar was only level 6, having gained two levels from defeating the mountain troll. So to bridge the last two levels, Thomas wrote in that Zarzar's original party had finished their quest and split apart, leaving Zarzar to wander on his own. In the city he had been left, he found a school of magic, conveniently placed beside a shrine of Asgarath. So Zarzar took up residence at the school of magic and learned all he could about elemental magic. Of course, he specialized in electrical magic. All the while he would pray at the shrine of Asgarath, every night and every morning, all in hopes of winning the dragon god's favor. But she never responded to his pleas. Until, after several months of training and praying, Asgarath finally responded to Zarzar in the form of a dream vision. There she appeared to him as a glorious gold half-dragoness. She beckoned him to her and told him, I know what lies in your heart, little one. You wish to be more than you are. You have prayed at my shrine twice a day, every day for the last several months. 
Do not think that you have gone unnoticed. I have simply been waiting for others to arrive, and they finally have. There is a group of adventurers who will arrive at my shrine to place an offering tomorrow at midday. Greet them and tell them that I am pleased they had carried my symbol across the wasted lands. But the journey of my symbol is not done. You are to take it up in my name. It will become a great banner for you. Attach it to your back and carry it with this group to the tip of the Dragon's Teeth Mountains. There I will make you as you wish to be. Tell them Asgorath will give them their reward there. Zarzar agreed readily, knowing this was the start of what he finally wanted to be, a true dragon. And so he sat by the shrine and waited. He was determined not to miss these adventurers, so he would wait. He would not sleep or eat or leave his post for a moment until they arrived. The next day, just as Asgorath had stated, a group of adventurers had arrived. There were three of them, all elves. They approached the shrine, eyeing Zarzar wearily, before producing a golden silk cloth from one of their bags. The lead elf unfurled the cloth, revealing the symbol of Asgarath and placing it upon her shrine. They waited, expecting something to happen, but nothing did. It was then that Zarzar approached and reached for the cloth. All three elves drew their bows, revealing them all to be rangers, and aimed their arrows at Zarzar. But Zarzar did not hesitate or flinch. He had a divine purpose. As he reached out and grabbed the cloth, it suddenly glowed with a faint golden light and transformed itself into a glorious banner, attached to a chest harness. It was obvious it was meant to be worn by none other than Zarzar, for no other being could fit inside the wooden harness comfortably. But Zarzar's scales would resist the rubbing of the wood, and he would be unaffected by its weight and overall awkwardness of its construction. The party stared in awe at what they had just witnessed. After Zarzar donned the banner and clipped it around his chest, he turned to the elves and spoke in Elven a language he had learned in the magic school. There he repeated his goddess's words to them, in their own tongue. They stared at him flabbergasted. How could this simple-minded beast not only comprehend, but fluently speak such a complicated language as Elven? But not only that, he knew pieces of their history that only they and the gods knew. So it was decided that they would join forces to continue the journey of Asgarath's symbol to the tip of the Dragon's Teeth Mountains, and thus began what was supposed to be Zarzar's ascension to Draconic Purity. Unfortunately for me and Zarzar, we had no idea what the DM had in mind for us. The journey to the base of the mountain was tough, taking two sessions in total and raising our character levels to 10. The game was going great and I was having a lot of fun and Zarzar was becoming more fleshed out. Even the party had started to warm up to not only me, but the idea of having Zarzar along. Dare I say it, we even became friends. Over the course of the next two weeks, the party and I slowly made our way up the mountain fighting all manner of monsters, from bands of bandits to a rock troll. All the while, we missed every single sign that the DM put in front of us that something was not as it seemed. The dawn broke early that morning, mist and fog covering our camp. We were close to the peak of the Dragon's Teeth Mountain and the fabled shrine of Asgorath. But it was here that we started to notice things were amiss. The grass that grew in shabby patches in the rocks began to appear wilted. The trees appeared sickly and diseased. As we got closer to the peak, even the air itself seemed to be tainted. An unshakable dread shrouded the mountain. We were nearly to the top. We could see the end of our journey, but as we rounded the last corner, what we saw made our hearts drop. The shrine of Asgarath was not as it seemed. Dark taint covered the area. We had to make constant will saves just to stay on our feet. The banner Zarzar carried granted him plus two to all will saves, so he would likely be the last one standing. One by one our party fell to terrible visions. Dropping to the ground, holding their heads and screaming about a dark presence. How the dark scales were there to take them. One of the group even turned to flee, only to find himself unable to move. At this point, I had pieced it all together. The taint, 
the dying plants, the sense of dread, the sight of the darkened shrine. I knew what was coming, but Zarzar did not. Not yet, at least. I asked the DM if I could make a knowledge check, explaining that Zarzar's time at the magic school would have exposed him to most of the divinity and many forms of magic in their workings. He agreed. I rolled a 17. Coupled with my wisdom, I got a 27 and passed. The DM began to explain how the air suddenly grew still. The sunlight began to weaken and dim, even though it was not even mid-morning yet. A dark presence suddenly descended upon our party, a hissing laughter entering our minds. Then Zarzar shouted out in broken draconic. I know you're there, Tiamat. Why have you tainted this sacred place? The laughter only grew in power, the light of day almost completely gone now. Zarzar reached back and touched the banner of Asgarath, but recoiled when he felt not silt but slime. He looked back and saw not the shining white and gold symbol of Asgarath, but the black and red symbol of Tiamat. He had been tricked by the evil goddess. He tried to tear off the banner, but it would not come loose. He tried to unsheathe his sword to cut it free, but his sword turned to dust. He turned to his party to ask for help, only to find them gone. He was alone in the darkness. Zarzar turned back to the shrine, intent on running to it, hoping its holy presence would help him, but he couldn't move. Again, he tried to strip the tainted banner from him, but couldn't. At that moment, as he struggled with the clasp that should have torn easily under his might, the sky above him broke. Red lightning and fire ripped across the sky, surrounding a portal to another plane. Through the portal came the visage of Tiamat herself, in all her unholy glory. Of course, she was not there physically. It was just a vision. But Zarzar did not know this. He screamed in terror and fell to his knees, the only action he could do. Tiamat grinned upon the sight of this whimpering hulk before she spoke, her voice like needles in the mind of Zarzar. You have done well, little one. You have brought my banner to this sacred place. In doing so, you have tainted it forever. This place, the weakest connection between the planes, is where I shall be reborn into this world, so that I may burn it and enslave all who live here. You have done well. Now take your promised reward and die. As Tiamat reared back, readying her breath weapon, Zarzar did the only thing he could do. He cast Lightning Bolt on himself. This action took the DM by surprise, but he allowed it. Roll for attack, he said. So I rolled. Nat 20. Okay, now roll for damage. As per the rules of his homebrew, I was to roll 2d6 per character level. This meant I rolled 20d6. I won't bore you with the individual dice results, as honestly I don't remember them myself. But it ended up being somewhere around 58 damage, double due to my nat 20. Needless to say it was more than enough to kill Zarzar, but that wasn't my goal. It was here, just before the DM pronounced Zarzar dead, that I pulled out my secret weapon. I pointed out a single scrawled note on the side of my character sheet to the DM. Something he himself had approved, but apparently forgotten. Electrical immunity. Since Zarzar had only one spell, and was forced to perfect that one spell, he had gained such high resistance to its element that he became basically immune to its effects. Something I had brought up and gotten approved. The DM described how Zarzar's lightning tore upwards into the sky, using his body as a lightning rod, but completely missed Tiamat. Not that it would do anything to a god, he said. But I wasn't aiming for Tiamat, I replied. I was aiming for myself, and by connection the banner. It was at this moment the DM realized his mistake. He looked at the dice still on the table. The 20 D6s scattered around, his eyes finally resting on my D20, and sighed in defeat. You destroy the banner, he said disappointed that I had managed to survive. Tiamat screamed in rage as the banner burned away, taking with it the taint it had brought. As the light returned, Tiamat fled back to her realm of darkness. With her gone, the whispers and air of dread left too. 
As we stood there, the shrine of Asgarath appeared as if out of thin air, in all its white marble and golden trim glory. It was at that moment she appeared to him again, but this time in the flesh. A beam of light blasted down from the heavens to strike the shrine without a sound, and suddenly the avatar of Asgarath stood there, bathed in golden light. She turned her eyes upon Zarzar and spoke in an angelic voice, her draconic words bringing life to the surrounding rocks. You have done well, little one, better than I had hoped. Not only did you bring my banner to my shrine as I commanded, but you managed to chase Tiamat away from her dreams of conquest. For this, I grant you your greatest wish. I make you Dragon. A beam of light equal in brilliance to Asgarath's own blasted down from the heavens, engulfing Zarzar and transforming him into a mighty nine-foot-tall golden half-dragon, bearing Asgarath's symbol permanently engraved in the scales upon his forehead. Once the transformation was complete, Asgarath spoke again. You have been reborn as a demigod. As such, you deserve a new name. No longer are you Zarzar of the lizard folk. From now on, you are Telnarith the Bold. Go into the world and carry my symbol to all edges of it. Teach my ways and bring my light to the darkest corners." Telnarith was raised to level 25, granted a host of abilities, including the ability to speak any language he encountered. He was also granted the Might of Asgarath, which allowed him to overcome any enemy or heal one friendly target to full health once a day. The DM then ended the session, stating the game was over. He congratulated me on my quick thinking and stated that in Zarzar's new form, he would not be welcome in the next game. I nodded and agreed, knowing he was far too powerful now. But honestly, I never added those extra stats to his character sheet, or the extra abilities, save for the ability to speak any language. That's a nice touch. In my heart, Zarzar is still level 10, but he managed to accomplish his dreams and become a dragon, and that makes me happy. I left that D&D group, never to return. A DM isn't supposed to try to win by killing players. Since then, I've always played a half-dragon who wears a golden circlet upon his head with the symbol of Asgarath carved upon it. I still have Zarzar's character sheet somewhere. Always wanted to frame it and hang it up. He is by far my favorite character in D&D.